The Son of God goes forth to war, a kingly crown to gain. His blood-red banner streams afar, who follows in his train, who best can drink his cup. Welcome to Death and Glory Podcast. My name is Jordan Parks, and today I'm joined by my best friend and brother in Christ, Brady Hansen. Death and Glory Podcast exists to remind Christians to love our King, die with honor, and live with hope and perishable because Christ has been raised from the dead. Before we get started, we wanted to remind you to check out Puritan.pub. This is a digital safe haven for Christians seeking a social media alternative to big tech. It was developed by a dear brother, Aaron Shafawalaf, and is a great way to connect with other believers. Open your browser and go to puritan.pub slash terms for more information. Also, if you're a fan of the show and would like to support Death and Glory, please visit our Patreon page, Patreon slash Puritan Pub Media. Brady, welcome back to Death and Glory. Thank you. It's uh, good to be back. In case you forgot from episode three, Brady is a pastor at Broadway Baptist Church in South Haven, Mississippi. He lives there with his wife, Lauren, and their two wonderful children. Brady is a graduate of Park University in Parkville, Missouri. Did his master's at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he is also wrapping up his doctorate there as well. So, Brady, what's new since last time we had you on, brother? Oh, just trucking along. Uh, had kids camp a couple weeks ago and taught on the Apostles' Creed. That was fun. And then uh, this past week went to New Orleans for the Southern Baptist Convention. So that was also fun. Excellent. So busy couple weeks. So. Very good. Well, today we are going to talk about heaven, uh, getting more t- of the glory side of death and glory, uh, specifically mm-hmm. misconceptions of heaven, what Christians and non-Christians alike uh, get wrong about glory. So I just kind of want to know off the top of your head as my son is screaming in the background, uh, <laughs> what, give me Brady at five years old, six years old, seven years old, what what were your first conceptions of heaven? Like, what did you, what do you remember knowing about heaven when you were young? Ooh, that's a, a good question. I don't know, man, as a young kid, you know, you think of clouds and just being up in the sky and, you know, you have a lot of movies, you know, portraying heaven in different ways. Um, whether that's just like earth, you know, but not really any different or whether it's this kind of ethereal spirit kind of place that, yeah, we're like cupids are flowering, you know, flying around with their little bows and arrows and right. It's kind of like leisurely sitting on clouds or something. Um, probably something like that. But I mean, I was raised in a Christian home. So, I mean, I was taught the Bible at a young age, so I'm not quite sure how biblically accurate my views were as a young child, or, I mean, I think they were fairly decent. I was, you know, saved at a pretty young age, but I think the cultural, you know, message or view of heaven I was getting told by Disney and whatnot or whatever else was probably not accurate to the Bible, but yeah, there's a lot of crazy views out there. I mean, I think your average, I don't know if you want to kind of like unbelievers, I mean, everyone just kind of assumes everyone goes to heaven. Right. That's just where everybody goes when they die. Right. So that's kind of just that cultural expectation. We're all pretty good people. Unless you're Adolf Hitler, you know, then everyone should pretty much go to heaven. Um, Or, you know, my personal favorite slash least favorite is, you know, when people think we become angels, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know. But uh, even sometimes you'll hear believers say stuff like that. Like, sure. 
heaven gained another angel and it's like mm, no no <laughs> time time out guys <laughs> i don't i don't want to like discourage you if your loved one was a believer and they're you know with jesus but like they're not an angel that's not what happens um i think i think pop culture really plays more of an impact in that than i think we would probably like to admit you know off the top of our heads i th- i think i was thinking the other day like i think a lot of people draw from honestly cartoons at, at least you and i grew up with you know yeah. you think of the old you think of the old like looney tunes and tom and jerry yeah. you know someone gets handed a stick of dynamite they blow up and <laughs> they're automatically have angel wings and there's a halo on top of their head That's and they're right. you know as- ascending into the clouds so and That's for some true. reason that sticks in your, your your young brain and it's like oh okay well this is all especially if you're unchurched it's like yeah. oh okay well this is what happens to people when they die yeah no, absolutely right. And the same goes with hell, you know, the same Looney Tune cartoons where it's like some red guy with pointy horns and exactly work, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> you know, it's the same exact, uh, yeah, misconception views and stuff sure. like that. I think another one, maybe kids get introduced more into high school and probably college. I think Dante has a big influence on people as well. Uh, you know, people, I would say most people know about the quote unquote seven deadly sins in the, mm-hmm. you know, the circles of hell and stuff like that. As, as people get older, I think that's probably an influence there as well. Um, a few more that I had just kind of listed off, um, as far as other misconceptions. So heaven is a big party. It, it's, it's a place where you go to do exactly what you want to do all the time. It's yeah. summer, it's summer vacation, 365 days a year. I think yeah. also of, I think more in Christian circles, we think of it as just kind of like an eternal worship service. And for people who don't like to sit still in church, maybe that's, maybe, maybe that sounds more like hell than heaven, <laughs> but <more> hell. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, yeah, you wonder where those things, you know, pop up from, uh, in your pastoral experience, what are some, any weird, or strange views that you've heard. I'm trying to think if there's any like dramatic ones. I mean, I think one that we just kind of, this one isn't, I guess is more understandable, but even thinking, you know, right now there's an, uh, you know, there is a heaven, but it's not the final heaven, right? right? A current heaven, but the end of the story is the new heavens and new earth, which people tend to kind of just forget about, you know, revelation 21, Right, heaven comes down to earth. Right, um, and earth and heaven will be remade. Right, the old, old earth will be you know destroyed slash remade. The old heaven will pass away. There'll be this new heaven, new earth. Um, very much a physical right. The resurrection right. will come, and so there is a very much a physical heaven will be on earth, and not just up in the clouds. You know, as we kind of picture it often, like with you know just our disembodied spirits. And so I think even right now, like heaven is not our final home right it's those right now who die are with the lord but our final home is the new heavens and new earth so i think even that in our thinking we just kind of think like yes to to die right now to be absent from the body to be present with the lord but that's not the end of the story that's just kind of the right now mm-hmm. so i think people forget that they just think you know oh like right now like yes you'll be with with god but it's not really the final you know we wait resurrection bodies um, and so that's one thing I think believers, we just kind of think there's heaven and hell now. And we don't think about, well, there's actually going to be another 
you know, the lake of fire and then the new heavens and new earth. Another one, I think the one you kind of alluded to it, but just, you know, the physicality of, you know, eventually at heaven, having our bodies, you know, very much physical, even like the marriage supper of the lamb. Right. Sometimes people think like eating is, is bad. You know, we can't picture like there being dirt in heaven. Like how could there be dirt and mud or like, you know, that's just too, that's too earthy. That just makes us, we're too like Gnostic, you know, like that just doesn't, you know, that's not squeaky clean. But like Jesus, I mean, his resurrected body ate fish, you know, also teleported through walls and locked doors, but awesome. uh, also ate food. And he says, like, I'm not going to drink of the vine until I come back with you, you know. And so apparently it sounds like there's going to be food. You know, we don't have to necessarily eat to survive, but it sounds like we'll be enjoying a feast, you know, um, at least the way I take it. I mean, it sounds like he's not just using a metaphor there, but, you know, there's a physicality there to heaven that we often are just too... You know, we're all we're just spirits and right. You know, but eating and drinking is just like what? But yeah, that's that's definitely one. And like you said, I mean, you said singing, which I do think. I mean, obviously in Revelation you have scenes of of everyone worshiping through song and singing and bowing down before the Lamb, right? Um, but but you also have, I mean, Jesus talks about in Matthew twenty five twenty one the parable of the talents. You've been faithful over a little, I will give you. I will set you over much, enter into the joy of your master. So, I mean, it sounds like, you know, those who serve well on earth, they're being given responsibility to do something in, in the new heavens and new earth um, where there's some kind of expectation. There's, there's roles, there's jobs, there's, there's work, know, to yes, do, the work to be done. Yes, yes. Yes. It'll be restful. It won't be toilsome. There's no curse, but there's stuff to do. And it's not just sit here and saying, you know, yes, that will be certainly part of it. I'm sure is singing praises but we also worship with all of our life, not just singing. Um, and so, yeah, it seems like there'll be tasks. There'll be some kind of jobs and responsibilities. There's no, you know, verse that lays out, here's all the things you'll be doing in, in the new heavens, and new earth, but there'll be some kind of responsibility that we'll have, you know, God expects us of, of us in heaven. Um, you know, work is not sin. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Work is not evil. Um, right. Been cursed. Right. You yeah. know? And so even if you think back about, you know, and you got to be careful, not, back to the garden of Eden, it's not just like a reset, right? It'll be better. The new heavens and new earth will be improved and be even better than the garden of Eden was. But to some sense, I mean, God gave Adam a task to fill the earth and subdue it and exercise dominion. So I'm thinking, I mean, the new heavens and new earth would probably be something, you know, not completely the opposite of that, right? Some kind of exercising dominion over this new heavens and new earth in a perfect way. Right. Um, You know, so I would think it's not going to be like completely opposite of that. Something similar to that, you know, we're all new Adams and new new Eve, so to speak, in Christ. Sure. Table that. I want to come back to that closer okay. to the end because um, okay. I've got some fun questions to go through with you. Um, yeah. And my computer is being a butt today. So if I if I pause for just a second, that's my fault. Yeah. Okay. So big party. I know that's a big one. People are just going to do whatever they want to do. Basically, just excuses to you know, yeah. sin, sin eternally. Yeah. Um, on that drink, note, on drink that, and party. That one, yeah. Drink or party, but even like golf. Oh, like, sure. Sure. I don't, I mean, I can't say yet one way or not, like sports won't exist in heaven, new heavens, new earth, but it, it's just interesting. Like if that's what you're most concerned about is I'm going to go play golf forever, you know, without God bothering me. It's like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to be there. You know, it's like, sure. uh, that's, I think it was Piper had something like, if you could go to a place with all your loved ones without sickness, 
disease, you know, have all the food you wanted, do whatever hobbies or whatever you wanted, and God wasn't there, and you'd be content to be there, like, that's not heaven, and you probably aren't going, you know, <laughs> like, right. you know, the important part about heaven is that God is there, that we, we're, you know, seeing God face to face, and so if we think it's all about the other stuff, you know, we've, we're kind of missing the point. Um, but, but Brady, you grew up with early 2000s contemporary Christian music, and you know... Oh, it's all about a big, big, big house. Big house. Yeah, where you can play lots, football, lots of room. right? Yeah, and, the, and lots of food. And lots of food and <laughs> the, the football. We can play yeah. football, yeah. Oh, man. And yeah. I'm not dogging on that song. I mean, it is ridiculous, yeah. but at the it's, same time, it's, it's like... It's fun, you know, but yeah, when you start sitting down and thinking about it, you're like, um, I don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. not saying there's not going to be football in heaven, That's but right. yeah. it's not a not but a focus. Uh, not the priority, yeah, for sure. Amen. For so. sure. Definitely. So uh, there's a lot of popular stuff out there over the last several years speaking about things on heaven. I think mm. of the, uh, oh, what is it called? Uh, 90, 90 Minutes in Heaven. Uh, yeah, 90 Minutes in Heaven. There's there's another one I can't think of off the top of my head. Real. Heaven's for Real, the big one. That yeah. I mean, that got a movie even. Yeah, that one was a big one. So but, yeah. uh, take take us through why are those things good, bad, wrong, highly suspect? Yeah. Give us your pastoral take on that. Yeah, there's so many. There's the I think there's another one, Heaven is Real. There's 23 Minutes in Hell. There's The Shack, um, all that stuff. Yeah, I would... Yeah, I would uh, tell people, you know, stay away from that stuff. You know, they call it heavenly tourism. And right. uh, so much of this stuff has been debunked by, you know, different people. I think Justin Peters, you know, uh, well, the Todd, the heaven is for real one. I mean, the kid came back and said it was all made up. You know, it was right. all not true. You know, his dad, like, pressured him to do it to make all this money. And it's just all this sad stuff. Um, yeah, but I mean, even in the scriptures, you see... You know, that's not encouraged for us to, you know, you see um, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, you know, had this kind of heavenly vision. And he's like, I can't even speak of, you know, what I saw and I will not utter about it. You have Lazarus who died and came back. Nothing. There's nothing said about him telling everybody what he saw. I mean, so even in scripture, when you see these kind of, you know, uh, inspired accounts, like they're not going around telling people about it. And what we see today is all they're not, you know, real. It's like, oh, it it was a manipulation it was a money-making scheme you know and of course people want to know what heaven is like and we right you know desire to know the unknown and and the bible i mean it talks you know it gives us some about heaven but obviously there's still a lot of mystery like god doesn't just tell us you know here's a thousand pages of every detail of what heaven's going to be like um and so that you know instead of just accepting where god has not given us everything we want to know we kind of speculate and go off the rails and right. um it's just dangerous to do. You don't want to go beyond where scripture doesn't fill in the details and you don't want to go beyond that. So yeah, I think it's dangerous. I think it's, you know, I think the heaven is for real. I think I remember like skimming parts of that book before and it was like the Holy Spirit's blue and like all kinds <laughs> of crazy stuff. You're like, where do you get this? There's no right. scripture, you know, remotely confirming any of this stuff. It's just like your kid or the dad one day was like, you know what? I think the Holy Spirit's green or blue, you know, and, Like, how is that edifying? You know, what does that even, what does that do? And so all it does, I think, is it, you know, preys on people, gets money from them, and then puts a bunch of unbiblical ideas of what heaven's going to be like, and it's not even accurate. Uh, So I think it's very dangerous. I think it's, it's a snare. 
It should be avoided. It's just read your Bible and read the Bible and what it says about heaven. If it doesn't go beyond what you think, then just go, well, I guess I'll find out one day. Sure. Yeah. Trusting in Christ and not speculating and not listening to these charlatans trying to make a buck telling me they had a dream and that the Holy Spirit's blue, you know, and I just, yeah. Well, if you take, if you take Pastor Brady's advice, when you, when you do look at and examine scripture, I think of just Isaiah off the top of my head when he has seen, when he sees the, he sees the train of God's robe and what is his response? It is, woe is me. Like he is completely undone. And we would, you know, if we were to see the Lord face to face, we would just die. We would fall on our faces yeah. and die because we can't behold his glory. Well, that's what's interesting is every time, almost, I believe every single time, anyone even sees an angel. Yeah. Right? An angelic being. Let alone God. The way is not a cherub baby with wings, but like a four-headed monster with like the face of a, you know, a cow and an eagle and a man and a lion eyes and wings. And you're just like, that is absolutely terrifying. Like a horror movie, you know, and they all fall on their faces of dead men, you know, prostrate, terrified. And none of these heaven tourism books say anything remotely like that, you know, strolling into heaven. Oh, Hey, there's Elvis or there's the blue Holy spirit, you know? And it's like, (laughs) that's not at all what would be happening, you know? And it's just, not even in the Bible, and people see just an angelic messenger. They're falling right. on their face, like tempted to worship this angelic being, or terrified they're going to be, you know, killed immediately for their sinful, unclean lips. You know, so it's just like this doesn't match up with Scripture. Like th- this totally contradicts what the Bible says. You know, and so yeah, it, it never matches at all. It's just kind of like, oh, there's a golf game over there, and there's bowling with the blue Holy Spirit, and there's my grandma. And it's like that's not what you'd be focusing on if you went to heaven. Um, it's just, so all, so all I heard you to say on record is that Elvis is in heaven, right? (laughs) Uh, I do not know that at all. Okay. I will, uh, say what Ezekiel said. Only the Lord, only you know, Lord, only the Lord knows. Amen. I don't know his salvation or not, but. Okay. Well, I just wanted to make sure, (laughs) <laughs> to put all the Elvis fans that listen to this show at rest that we're, we're yeah. neither saying yay nor nay. Oh man. That's fine. So, yeah. that's right. Um, another thing that I've heard people, I, I don't know, maybe concerns, maybe isn't the word, but just like, Hey, I don't understand this. Uh, in heaven, will we remember our former lives? Will we remember ourselves? Will we be the same, have the same personality? Um, if you ever, if you ever ran into that. Yeah. I mean, I've, um, I kind of mentioned a little bit about this in my uh, kids camp. We went through the apostles creed and, you know, the apostles creed talks about, you know, we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. So there's, you know, this belief in eternal life and that we will be resurrected and have new bodies. And I do believe in first Corinthians 15, you know, the, when the apostle Paul kind of goes into this a little bit. I guess probably the most detail he gets with like resurrection bodies and what is that going to be like, you know, he uses this metaphor of like a seed that, you know, is planted into the ground and it dies and then it comes, it it grows into this new transformed uh, organism, but it's the same living being, if that makes sense. Like a pumpkin seed turns into a pumpkin, you know, it's dramatically different, right? A pumpkin seed doesn't look anything like a full grown, like 400 pound pumpkin, you know, but it's the same or it's the same being. There's this continuity. And so, you know, with our souls, 
um, God has made in us, there's this sense where we continue even after at death where our soul and our body are separated, our spirit and our body are separated. You know, our body decomposes, but our soul continues, endures, you know, and then is, you know, joined with the resurrected body. There's this continuity where we're the same person. Now, we may look somewhat different. You know, Jesus, you know, it's interesting, like, he either supernaturally kept his disciples from recognizing him a lot during his kind of post-resurrection appearances, but then he would always reveal himself, and then they'd recognize, oh, yeah, that is Jesus. I see the nails, you know, pierced hands, his scar in his side so there's this continuity you know where okay there, there, there was clearly like this was the body that was pierced you know somehow no doubt like, about it yeah somehow it, like can teleport through walls and all this and he's alive before us which was crazy and hard for us to believe but it's like there's continuity here this is the same jesus right there's the whole holes in his hand and you know the side you know pierced his side that proves that this is not some other person this isn't some like joke like we got some other guy's body. Like there's this continuity here. This is the same Jesus, um, and so yeah. I mean, if this if it, if he is the first fruits of the resurrection, then his resurrection shows us, you know, what's our resurrection going to be like. And so there's continuity with him. So I believe there's going to be continuity with us. You know, I'm sure with our memories and things. I'm I'm sure like you you know we remember our past life and on earth and what we you know the things we did. I mean, God's going to judge. You know, right. based on how we lived on life. So it wouldn't make any sense if we're like, I don't remember what happened. You know, what are you talking about, God? Mm-hmm. It's like, I think there'd be, even for judgment, there's continuity for that to even be just that, you know, the same person who lived this life on earth and is now standing before the white, you know, throne of judgment is the same person, right? There's this continuity sure. here. It's not like, well, this other person lived this life and now I'm going to judge this other random new person I made that has nothing to do with, you know, this other person. Um, so yeah, I do think there's going to be continuity. I think we'll, you know, have memories and, um, you know, our soul, the same soul we had on earth will be, you know, will continue after death. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of things. If we don't have a soul and the soul is kind of the way that I think God has determined, you know, there's continuity. If we don't have souls, then all that kind of falls apart. It's like if we're just bodies, like yeah. kind of the secular view of the day, you know, we're just animals. We're just a bag of organs. Well, then when we die, like, how can there be anything, once that decays, if there's no soul that God sustains, there's just, there can be no continuity, really. It's just kind of like, well, you're gone, and it's kind of annihilationism. If it's just purely materialistic beings, well, then you really lose that, any kind of continuity after death without a soul. Um, There's a lot of problems that come with that, so... Um, so I do, I do think the Christian view is we have souls and we, there is continuity there, which very is good. good. Yeah. It's very good and encouraging. It is. That's a, that's like a good word. Death, right. Death can't, you know, it can destroy our bodies, but it can't absolutely destroy us. Our soul will live on. Yeah. We so, are eternal. We are eternal beings. That's right. Immortal beings. As I think C.S. Lewis said, you've yep. never met, you've never met a mere mortal in your life, right? You, you meet all these immortal beings, your mailman, your, yep. Garbage truck driver, you know, the near next door neighbor, they're all immortal beings, which is pretty interesting to think about. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. We'll get to some more Lewis later, I promise. <laughs> um, so another one that I've heard, and actually I was <clears throat> I had spoken to a couple at small group, and they're wonderful people. My friend, I won't say her name, but she was just like, you know what? I think of heaven, and I know it's gonna be wonderful. It's gonna be so amazing. And I have nothing to complain about. I know everything is going to be great. Like, 
she, she knows that she's 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 solid theologically but she goes i just can't fathom not being married in heaven like i've been married to this man forever you know we are one oh. flesh we're in this covenant together but Jesus says there is oh. no there is no marriage in heaven, and so yeah. if you if you think back if you're if you're not for sure what I'm talking about I'm going yeah. I, I can't give you chapter and verse but the Sadducees are trying to punk Jesus and say trying to you know trip him up well and they bring up this Old Testament passage where if a man has a wife and and he dies and they bear no children uh, his younger brother is obligated by the old covenant to marry his brother's wife and to mm-hmm. conceive children with her. And so this, the Pharisees come out with this ridiculous thing where they go through all seven brothers and Jesus goes, okay, I know what y'all are trying to do and you're not, you're not getting me on this one. So, but he, but he also lays out, uh, you know, where in heaven there, there is no marriage. Why do you think that that is the case? And why do you think that that would, uh, upset people how does how does that work yeah no that's a good question um i think it's matthew 22 okay um, where the sadducees are trying to trap jesus you know and he says at the resurrection people will neither marry nor be given in marriage but they will be like the angels in heaven which some people even take that to mean you know we'll be like genderless beings which i do not think Mm. he's saying we won't be we won't be like male and female anymore because jesus i mean he's a man, I don't think right. he's some androgynous, like, what is that thing? <laughs> you know? But, uh, but anyways, but yes, there, it seems like Jesus clearly teaches there'll be no marriage, you know, relationships in, in heaven. And I think a big part of that is, well, what's the purpose of marriage? Mm-hmm. Well, Ephesians 5, you know, which anytime, you know, a Christian marriage, this should be kind of in our minds. You know, he says in, in Ephesians 5.32, this very intense profound verse you know he says this mystery is profound and i'm saying that it refers to christ and the church and so all of human marriage basically exists to be a picture of the great marriage of christ and his church and so as as much as we love our spouses and rightly so that's about as close as we can even really fathom of what heaven's going to be like as a good godly marriage is this kind of love and relationship well that's just a small picture of the relationship that we will have with Christ, he will have with his church in heaven, this love, um, this truly being known. And uh, so really that marriage relationship is just a picture of what God's love for us is like that we will fully experience in in the new heavens and new earth. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't think um, the marriage relationship will kind of fall away because the true reality, the marriage is just a shadow. The greater reality will be, we can't even fathom what that really will even entail. Right. But, all those things will come to f- to full fulfillment, and so the relationship we'll have with Jesus will just make any marriage just pale in comparison to some mere human. Like the relationship we'll have with God Himself, mm-hmm. uh, seeing Him face to face. I mean, yes, we love our spouses, and I think obviously if they're believers, they'll still be a dear sister or brother with us in in the new heavens and new earth forever. Right. But again, they're just you know, one of the brothers and sisters we have, and then it's, it's all about God. It's experiencing God. That's what we're made for. We, you know, marriage is very important, but we were not just made, you know, there's people who live fulfilled lives and who never married, right? Christ never married. There's the apostles, Paul never married. So you can live a fulfilling Christian life and never have a spouse. Mm -hmm. Those of us who have godly spouses were like, Oh, it's such a blessing. And it's, it is, 
but it really you're not made just for marriage you're made for god you're right you're made for the marriage of the lamb not just a human earthly marriage and so sometimes we can almost get kind of idolatrous if we're just like you know i don't even want to see jesus i just want to be with my mate and like well yeah like your mate's great but jesus is better you know like jesus is better and so if sometimes we might be if we just cannot fathom life without our spouse you know death takes them sickness we might just need to go open-handed like you know what nothing is better than jesus jesus is better than everything including my godly marriage that i you know i love and adore you know so sometimes that can trip godly people up or like i just can't even imagine life without my spouse which i mean a good marriage should be that way you should be like it's hard to fathom life without you yeah but there is a point where you say you're not god and uh god is my first love right love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul and strength and so he is our ultimate first love. And so marriage is just a picture of that. So if marriage ever becomes, this is more important than God, then it's, it becomes a, an idol and becomes a problem. But, but that's a good question. And it is hard to think about sometimes just in our earthly life because our spouses are such an integral part sure. of a God marriage. But yeah, it is a picture that we got to remember that it's, it is a picture that will be fulfilled in Christ. Um, Amen. Um, other religions uh, also have views of heaven as well. We talked a little bit in the previous episode with Aaron Schaffwallaf uh, about Mormonism and how their view of heaven is um, radically different uh, yes. from a Christian perspective. Um, yes. You have uh, an opportunity to become your own God and have as many wives as you want, definitely going yeah. from uh, the opposite direction of what we just talked about. Yes. And basically... Yeah. Pr- basically procreating and establishing dominion on other planets throughout the galaxy, which is wild to think about. Yeah. Very, again, it's not really a lot about God. You know, it's all about very man centered view of heaven. Come where you become your own God. I mean, it's completely antithetical to the Christian view uh, or the Christian theology of, of everything that exists is for the glory of God, for his, namesake his enjoyment um but some then may say no you become your own god and you make your own planets and things revolve around you and your pleasure and it's just very different you know and i guess that's not that different from the view of islam you know of you know paradise and the virgins and things like that right. you, you know certain sects of of uh islam you know if you go you know kill yourself in this you know suicide attack or something for allah and you'll be rewarded with these virgins and this, you know, place in heaven. And it's seventy, isn't it? I think seventy. So. That's a yeah. weird number. And I don't know me, if that's but... all. I don't want to say denominations of Islam, but you know, there's Shia and uh, Sunni, Sunni and Shiite and all that different stuff. So I, I'm not an, an expert on Islam by any means, but um, you know, their view of heaven, yeah, is is different there. And again, they don't have Jesus, right. you know, the God Man, and so it's just Allah. And so there's no Holy Spirit. There's no son of God. So that, sure. you know, how that comes into their view of heaven. Right. Uh, you know, is, is different too. But, um, I remember when I was in school for, I, I think it was a worldview class. Hadaway. Did you ever have Dr. Hadaway? Uh, I did. Yeah. For okay. missions. Yeah. For missions. He had us go to another place of worship, you know, that's not a Christian church. And, uh, I remember going with my buddy, Matt to a Buddhist temple in Kansas city and other than the fact that it was very dark and disturbing, got to learn more about kind of their view on Nirvana. And I'm not talking about Kurt Cobain 
and uh, <laughs> and Dave Grohl. Uh, that's the band I'm talking about. Uh, I was like, this. yeah, it smelled well. It smelled weird in there too. <laughs> smells like something. Uh, it was something uh, for sure. Incense, yeah. I think. But anyway, it's kind of like heaven, I guess. But if it remind me if I'm wrong, Nirvana is like this state of nothingness where you don't yeah. want anything. There's no desire. There's no yeah. uh, passion, things like yeah. that. Am I on the right track on that? Yeah, I believe so. I think Nirvana is like the state of, yeah, like there's no desire. You've kind of emptied yourself of all. Yeah, it's a lot of emptying yourself where, again, Christianity is you're filling yourself with truth. You know, med- you know if you quote unquote meditation is not just like emptying your mind, you know, right. <laughs> so your brains fall out, but like filling it with truth and knowledge and God and the Holy mm-hmm. spirit. So yeah, again, very different from, and even that, that brings me to um, Jonathan Edwards. If you've never read, you know, this might be a little throwing the kids in the deep end, but if our list, if you know, listeners haven't read Jonathan Edwards, um, his sermon, heaven is a, a world of love. It's very thought provoking. And again, so he says, heaven is this place of, you know, perfect love. So that is the complete opposite of Nirvana where there's no attachments, you know, right. no desire. No, actually heaven is the place of perfect desire and love being fulfilled in God and God's love for us and our love for him and one another and other believers in heaven. And so it's this world of perfect love, right? This overflowing love is the way he describes heaven. And it's very interesting. It's not you know, the Puritans preach in a very different way than what most of us used to hearing. So thinking of that, a world of love and then Nirvana, just empty attachment, no desire. Those are, I mean, it's very different. And then I would say the most popular, whether it's held to as an official view or not, but we see it play out more in our culture is the, is the atheistic annihilationist right. uh, nihilism that so many people think where heaven is right now. This right. is all I get. We don't get a second shot. And so if you're not living it up now, you're just, yeah. you're, you're just wasting your time. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, um, I can't remember who originally said it, but I don't know if it was Adrian Rogers or who, but you know, this is as close to heaven as unbelievers are going to get. And this is as close to hell as, you know, believers will get. Amen. And so there is that sense of, you know, eat, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die kind of, you know, philosophy. But, um, again, if, I always, I think my dad and I, we always talked about that and we're like, you know, if somehow, you know, Christianity wasn't true, you know, you lived a life of loving God and others and sacrificing for the good of other people. You, know, you do have Paul's statement that it's, uh, you know, if the, if Christ didn't raise, raise from the dead, it would be foolish, worthless. Right. You know? But people most degree, be pitied. Like, if, if it was like, say we're all annihilated in the end, would you rather like, again, like live the life of, of love and sacrifice and loving others or like being some Adolf Hitler, selfish, narcissistic murderer, you know, who only live for yourself. You're still like, what life, even in the common grace that God has given us, you know, you're like, what, which of those, you know, is a more God honoring life, you know, even if you're just like, that just doesn't, the common grace in us, the fact that we're made in God's image, you just know deep down like that, that's not right. Like you can't, you know, live like the devil and go, Oh yeah, this is the way it's going to be. And I don't feel guilty about this at all. But yeah, the the whole annihilationism, this is it. There's nothing. We turn into a bag of worms when we die. That is a depressing thought. It's very depressing. And no one lives, no one lives that way. You're right. You may say that philosophically. Oh yeah. We're just bag of worms. Yeah. But if I like, you know, break your car and steal your 
job or whatever, you know, kill your family. Well, then you have something to tell me. Like, you don't just say, oh, yeah, I'm a bag of worms. Who cares? Like, you get angry and you think, no, that's not right. There's, there's, there's some kind of, you know, objective code and morals and ethics. And, but wait, I thought we're a bag of worms and none of the, this is just Darwinism and the strongest take over the weak. Right. So no one lives that way. They may say it in the university halls, but like no one, everyone acts like there is actual moral standards to some degree. And, you know, there is right and wrong when it, when they're wronged. And it's just funny because they don't live consistently with that worldview. Yeah. Because if it were that way, then, you know, that no one's living that way. But well, and it brings me back to my favorite World War II colloquialism. There are no atheists in foxholes. That's right. Yeah. When the, when the rubber finally meets the road, That's you know, right. you, you people know at the end of the day. And, yeah. the, and, the, and God's word obviously tells us that. Too. Yeah, I'd say Romans you know? 1 says, you, yeah. you, you know, you subvert the knowledge of God, right? You yeah. know, there is a creator, the creation, the fact that we're here. The fact that the the moon's in the sky, yeah. the animals that are made, you know, it's evidence, but we've, you know, suppressed the knowledge of God. Yep. Um, so we all know deep down. We all do. Eternity is written on our hearts. But, and I think that even comes out in, uh, while you were just saying that, even in, in uh, like movies, I think a gladiator uh, mm-hmm. where Russell Crowe's yeah. character says, uh, you know, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. And it's oh, like... Yeah. Even the the pagan uh, right. Hollywood atheists can't can't escape that. Well, that's a that's a great quote. I mean, that's I mean, we didn't get to like you know rewards. You know, Jesus talks all over the place. Which I mean, when's the last time you heard a sermon about heavenly rewards? Jesus yeah. talks about rewards all the time, and how obviously we're all saved by grace. But there there is what we do in this life matters. Amen. And God will you know, will repay us according to our deeds. There's so many verses that talk about, you know, um, our, our deeds are not the basis of our salvation, but God will reward us graciously um, based on how we live our lives. Um, you know, and so uh, there's different views of, you know, what what the Bible really doesn't explicitly say, well, what is, the, what is that reward? Is it joy? Right. Is it happiness? Is it, you know, a mansion in heaven? You know, who, I mean, it doesn't say really, but, you know, Edwards back in that sermon, um, he kind of talks about just, you know, experiencing like reward is like more of God, more of experiencing God and knowing God. And so I don't know. I mean, it's kind of those things where probably until we get to heaven, we won't really know what exactly are all these rewards sure. and what does that look like. And yeah, but there's a lot of verses about, you know, lay up for yourself treasure in heaven and not on earth where moth and rust destroy and, you know, pray in secret where your father in heaven will reward you in secret. And, so what we do, how you pray, well, Jesus says you'll either be rewarded in heaven or not mm-hmm. because you prayed hypocritically to impress your neighbor or you truly prayed in secret to out of love for God. And right. so, I mean, there, there, if you just look in the Bible, there's all kinds of talk about, you know, what we do in this life echoes in eternity mm-hmm. um, in a Christian way. But. So I don't want to undermine what you said about the heaven is for real stuff, because I know you, I know that you're spot on on that. But it is fun to speculate about, you know, things that are going to be there. And I think that I think that everybody has ideas with maybe some better backing knowledge than others (laughs) about what's going to be there. And uh, I think that for those of you listeners who are fans of C.S. Lewis, some of his stuff, especially in Chronicles of Narnia, paint such good pictures of in broad strokes 
of what heaven is going to be like. And so I know you've read them. I think of the last battle. Uh, I think the last chapter is called Onward and Upward, where it's just the characters, they're filled with this strength and they, all they, all they do is start running mm. and they keep on running. Yeah. And Lewis is just saying they run and they're just going onward and upward and onward and upward. And then they, they never get tired. And obviously he's hearkening mm. back to, you know, what Jesus says about our resurrected bodies. Yeah. But it's just this beautiful picture of, okay, in, in his head, this is kind of what, that is going to look like. And I think, and I think that's wonderful. And I don't think it's necessarily wrong to speculate. You did yeah. mention there are some things that are very unhelpful, especially when people are yeah. saying, no, this is exactly what, this is exactly what happens. I think sure. we need to be li- very leery of that. But sure. I think, it, I think it is also, I mean, God gave us imaginations yeah. and made us creative for a reason. And I think it's good to, to throw those ideas out there. So I want to know, I'll, you'll, you can give some and I'll give some, yeah, yeah. what are some things uh, in heaven that you think are going to be there? or We're going to do, tell us what you may, you may have reasons for that or not, but give me some off the top of your head. Yeah. No, I mean, but before I do like to your point, I think it's one thing to speculate and imagine. I think that's good and healthy. I think when I, if I write it down in a book and say, well, my speculations, I, you know, got in a car crash and here's what I saw and this is what heaven is. That's a different thing entirely, right? That's for sure. For sure. We're just saying, Hey, this is speculation. I'm just daydreaming here. I'm just, what if, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, but yeah, I, I, so my wife and I, we've been watching the second avatar movie and, uh, just like the beauty and the, the creatures. And again, obviously heaven is all about God, but just enjoying his creation untainted by sin. I just wonder what is, you know, I think there are going to be animals, you know, in the new heavens and new earth. And what is that going to be like? What is our relationship? You know, so you see all these verses about like the lion and the lamb mm-hmm. and the child sitting with the cobra and the adder and the asp and all this stuff. And like, there's just, there's no fear. There's no like, Oh, this cobra is going to kill me and bite me and I'm going to die. Like, there's just like free. You know, like like Adam and Eve, right? The mm-hmm. the animals he named the animals. They apparently paraded in front of him, you know, and they weren't afraid of him. You know, it talks about the curse in Noah. It was like the animals feared man. So before the curse, they didn't fear man, right? Like, what's that going to be like? You know, to be like walking with lions and stuff, or like, do we ride animals? Do we? I'm almost <laughs> like in the second Avatar movie. Spoiler alert! But there's like this big whale thing like a hammerhead whale that one of the characters like rides and befriends. I'm like, dude, I want my own whale, you know, and have in the <laughs> like how, how dope would that be? Just like riding up on this whale oh, yeah. like, to come worship Jesus, you know, like, let's go, like, let's go see Jesus. So I wonder what, yeah, animal, I'm a huge animal nut, you know? So like, what's that going to be like with animals and our relationship with them? I think of like languages, you know, there's, there seems to be like, we're not going to just all be whitewashed into some generic, you know, there's every tribe, nation, and tongue language, sure. which seems to me that there's this distinctions that those aren't just going to like evaporate. Like, oh, right. I'm no longer a Caucasian guy who speaks English. Um, you know, we're not all just going to become like Hebrews. You know, with the same color skin. It's like, no, I think those there's this tapestry of languages and ethnicities that seem to be preserved for God's glory. His the diversity glorifies God. So, like, do I? Will we learn all the languages? Can I just speak? Any language I want? Will I just speak English? Can I learn other languages? Will we just know, like, the reversal of Babel? Like, is that going to be undone? You know, I just kind of think of that. Like, how cool would that be? Like, you know, what will life be like? Because, I mean, Revelation 21 talks about this city 
right? The heaven is described as a city coming to earth. Well, city implies like, you know, culture and languages and, and work. And there, there's more than just kind of, it's not just, again, like we've said, a concert that never ends, but there's like mm-hmm. this culture, like this heavenly city. So like, what will that look like? I mean, languages and jobs and dwellings to live in. And, you know, the word mansions, you know, is a bad translation that won him. And it's more of like staying places, like rooms. Uh, I believe like the historical background is like the temple had these kind of rooms on the side, mm. print storage rooms and things. And uh, some of them, like the priests would, you know, stay in or whatever. And so it's more of like these staying places, like almost like you have your own room in God's temple, so to speak. And so it's not like you have this big, huge mansion to yourself. It's more of like you have a ha- you have a room in God's temple, almost yeah. kind of like. God has an apartment building and you have one of the, you're in one of the apartments in his house, you know? And so like, what will that be like, you know, our living quarters. And like you said, just like our, like the resurrection bodies. I mean, like we won't get tired. Well, we, it'll be like, we'll be strong. We won't decay, get sick, die. We won't be tempted to sin anymore. Lose our hair. Well, no. Yeah. Maybe I'll <laughs> flow in name, you know, uh, no uh, temptation to sin, no desire Amen. to sin. Amen. Um, guilt will be gone. Uh, all that will just be free. Um, so it's just amazing to think about. I mean, spiritually, emotionally, no anxiety, depression, worry, you know, doubt, physically, just no tiredness, achy bones, acid reflux, cancer, you know, cut scrapes. None. I mean, it's, it's, it's just impossible to even think about. Um, but again, just seeing God. Obviously, the beatific vision, seeing him face to face and knowing yeah. God experientially, personally, in a way that we just can't comprehend right now. I mean, that's obviously the 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 thing, the being that we want to see. Yeah, like that is just it's amazing to think about. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I'll, I'll start off with uh, animals as well. Um, <laughs> I have had this discussion with several people. I am bound and determined. I have no evidence for this, but I'm bound and determined to say and put my chips on the table. There are going to be dinosaurs in heaven. Yes. Or if not in heaven, at least in the new heavens yes. and new earth. If God is, uh-huh. if God says that he is going to make all things new. That's right. He's going to restore everything. Dude. I will be in some kind of communicable yes. relationship with dinosaurs. So I'm very excited Dude. for that. <laughs> yes. I can have a T-Rex to ride. That exactly. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, the Jesus, no, what is it? The, um, it's probably one of the best storybook Bibles I've, uh, read. What is it? It's, um, let me quick look it up. Go for it. Uh, it has a picture of dinosaurs and the new heavens and new earth, the kingdom of God Bible. Yeah, it's called the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Yeah, the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook by Tyler Van Halteren and Alexander Jasinski. It's on lithoskids.com. It okay. is beautiful, but it has it's biblically sound, and they have dinosaurs there at the end. And I was like, that's the first kids book Bible Amen. I've ever seen that had dinosaurs in the new heavens and new earth. So I was I was like, sweet. So if you're looking to uh, do some children's literature with uh, uh, in Christian themes, when in doubt, add dinosaurs to it. That's right. Add dinosaurs. Um, so my second one that I wanted to go over again, I have no, I have no evidence or anything to suggest that this is going to be the case, but in Proverbs 25 verse two, it says it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of Kings to search out a matter. And just thinking about our lives down here on earth, just the vast amount of complexity 
and information and just mm-hmm. how the world and, and not just the world, the universe works itself out in this cohesive unit that God has created. It's amazing that God gives us a desire and gives us the ability to find out more about ourselves, the place we live, which in turn tells us more about who God is. And I think in my head, there will be, maybe it's going to be this giant like timeline uh, in heaven to where believers can go look out through the time, you know, the time that God has given the earth to last, however long that's going to be. And believers will be able to look at any moment in time throughout eternity in an intricate detail to see how God's hand has moved in Mm. every situation throughout history, even in seemingly insignificant ways, but to see God push a little chess piece there, push a little chess piece there and see how he has worked out this whole redemptive story. So in my head, it's like, okay, I've got this whole timeline. I can click, uh, you know, whatever year I want and I can go see wherever in the world, you know, God is working. I think that's something that would declare God's glory. It'd be like, Hey, this is all, this is all I did. These are all the things that I've done. And it's wonderful and amazing. Yeah. Amen. No, I mean, well, it's like, is it in John, the end of John, you know, if, if all that Jesus, even just on earth during his earthly ministry for three years, if if all the things that Jesus did were written in books, the world could not contain right. the amount of things Jesus did in his three years of earthly ministry. And so you're like, yeah, what about all of, earth, all of world history? And I think, I mean, what Christian or at least nerdy Christian hasn't thought, like you've just said, like, I just want to see, like, whether it's like a movie or mm-hmm. a timeline, like, I just want to see all of the acts of God. Yeah. Like, again, because it glorifies him, like, all Amen. the things we didn't know about before we existed – since we died, like what was what, what was the? I think Piper says something like, "Every moment in your life, you know, you may be aware of like ten things God is doing in your life, but He's doing like thirty thousand or something." Right. I can't remember what the, the quote is. Yeah, something like that. Like you may be aware of like five things God's doing, and He's actually doing like thirty thousand right things in your life every moment. You know, um, so yeah, like what is God doing? All the intricate, you know, in His sovereignty. You know, we plan our we plan our way in our heart, but the Lord establishes our steps and like mm-hmm. seeing how he did that. And, you know, when you were sick this time, it prevented this from happening. And then this right. job, you get, you know, allowed you to meet this person. And sometimes we can look back and see God's providence, you know, and meeting our spouses and things like that. But but all these other intricate details that we miss, you know, like I agree, that would be amazing. I think we'll spend eternity learning about all yeah. those things. All that God has done. Yeah. It just just in the, his acts and history, let alone just his care, his infinite being. Right. Uh, but yeah, just like what he has done in time, man, that would be amazing. Yeah, that's awesome to think about. So um, I think we're going to wrap it up there for tonight. Fun episode. I'm glad we did this. Yeah, that was very encouraging just to think about. If anything, it makes me feel like I need to be, I don't know if daydreaming is the right word, but you know, reading scripture and meditating and thinking yeah. about it even more. Because, yeah, what a glorious day that will be. Besides scripture, obviously, that needs to be our number one source. Any any other resources about just heaven in general uh, that you would recommend? Yeah, I would definitely recommend. Again, it may be hard for some readers or listeners, but I think it's very thought-provoking and kind of this speculative, like, uh, it's. I mean, it's scriptural, but Edwards, Jonathan Edwards' sermon, Heaven, a World of Love, 
just thinking very deeply about heaven is a really good resource. It's for free on the internet. You can Google search heaven, a world of love by Jonathan Edwards. You can find it. That's very thought provoking. I think uh, John MacArthur has a really good book, the glory of heaven. Hmm. Um, that's really solid. And then Randy Alcorn um, yeah. more recently wrote one on heaven. That's pretty good. That one's excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are three things I would say, but especially uh, reading some of the old Puritans on heaven is very interesting. Cause again, there's so much, kind of historical, like what we think of heaven today, they would have not even like going and playing golf all that, you know, that's just not what the, <laughs> what the, they're like, that's not what heaven's about. Sure. Uh, so it's just, it's just interesting to read people outside of our time and place and what their views, you know, those who've gone before us, it can be insightful to kind of our blind spots sometimes. Yeah, definitely. So, the heaven uh, and things like that. so, um, if anyone is interested, uh, how can our listeners reach out to you, find out more about you, contact you? I guess I'm on Facebook. Uh, my email is uh, Brady at BroadwayChurch.org if they want to email me. Um, I, are, you on, are you on Twitter I, still? I have a Twitter, I guess. I have a Twitter. I don't even know what my handle is, honestly. I kind of don't check it very often, but I am on Twitter. You can find me. It's probably good for your soul. You're not on Twitter very often. <laughs> it, that's kind of what it was. I was like, you know, it just was too, I got into all these threads and I'd, you know, stay up half the night. And so I just right. kind of don't really go on Twitter much, which is good and bad. But yeah, I'm on Twitter. So you can search Brady Hansen and you know, I think it's at Hansen underscore Brady. I am on there, but it may be like six months before I follow you or, you know, look at my Twitter. So, don't take it personally, guys. That's right. No, no offense, you know, intended. Very good. Well, thank you for listening to Death and Glory Podcast. Uh, we hope this episode edified you. Uh, please take a moment, go to your favorite podcast platform, like and review the episode, uh, share it with your friends. And also, if you're a fan of the show, please go to visit our Patreon page, uh, Patreon slash Puritan Pub Media. Brother, thank you so much for coming on again. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. It's a joy always. So that was fun. Excellent. Well, have a great evening and we'll talk to you later. All right. Love you, brother. Love you too, man. To Canaan's land, I'm on my way where the soul of man never dies. My darkest night will turn to day, the soul of man never dies. Dear friends, there'll be no sad farewell, there'll be no tear-dim nights. Where all is peace and joy and love, where the soul of man never dies. A rose is growing there for me, where the soul of man never dies. And I will spend eternity, where the soul of man never dies. Dear friends, there'll be no sad farewell, there'll be no tear-dim nights. Where all is peace and joy and love, where the soul of man never dies.